listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. The past few weeks, I've focused on a series called Rejoicing in Trials, and I concluded that series last week. And for this episode, I will be touching on a few ideas that I went over the last few episodes, but I am veering a little bit in a different direction. I won't be focusing only on trials for this episode. I want to talk this week about fear and how fear can be a hindrance and overcoming fear when we are stepping out to do the will of God, that often times we want to do the will of God, that we, you know, have resolved that God, you know, whatever it is you want for me to do, I will do it. And then fear steps in and all of a sudden all bets are off and we're running in the other direction. And then we're evaluating later and saying, okay, what happened? So how is it that we can get past paralyzing fear so that we can be faithful and steadfast and all of those things that we need to be in our Christian life? One of the ideas I talked about in, in the series on trials was just the idea that You know, it tells us in James, in James 1, that we are to be joyful or consider it pure joy when we go through trials because those trials are producing in us something of value, and that is perseverance. Perseverance, in some translations that you read, it will say endurance or patience. Perseverance is the ability to endure in in a trial, to really just stay and stick with the situation and not try to run or escape the pain, but it's more than just hunkering down and saying, okay, Lord, I'm accepting the situation that you have ordained. What is it, you know, that you want me to learn from it? Help me, you know, get through it. It's more than that. It's also continuing to be submissive to God in the midst of that, because so often we can harden our hearts and say, Lord, I've just had enough. I can't even believe what has come into my life. I can't even believe everything that you've orchestrated here. And I just, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do what you want anymore. We just harden our hearts. And so not only is, is perseverance, um, a, an endurance of whatever hardships are in our life, but it's also a continued obedience and submissiveness and openness and receptiveness to God's spirit. Um, even in the midst of whatever hardship we're going through and, when we allow perseverance to finish its work, what it tells us in James is that when we allow perseverance to finish its work, it leads to spiritual maturity in us, that we grow spiritually mature. And that is ultimately what all of us are working towards in our spiritual walk, that we are attempting to be more like Christ. And this happens when we follow him, we listen to his voice and we become more spiritually mature, but in order for that to happen, that we have to allow um, perseverance to do what it, it needs to in our life. We need to endure what, what God has sent our way and really submit to it. And as a result, we become spiritually mature. And often we can let just our discouragement over our trials, distractions from life, um, you know, our trials distract us. And, and throw us off course. And also we can let things like fear, especially if we're 
going through hard situations that we're actually being persecuted for our faith, that, um, we can actually, um, be fearful, become more fearful to step out and do his will because of the persecution we've received, the opposition that we've had in, in doing his will. And so it's remaining steadfast and not allowing fear to prevent us. So how is it that we get past our fear when we're attempting to follow the will of God? So some time ago, I asked God this question because fear is something that has been crushing in my own life. As I've stepped out to do the will of God, fear has often just wrapped its grip around me and I've intended to do what I should do. And then all of a sudden I'm running. Um, and maybe you find yourself in similar situations that fear is just paralyzing. And often I think the, the more that we serve God, the more that the enemy throws our way to get us off track. And so fear can really become an issue. So I asked God and I really expected him to give me like a three point solution, you know, do these three things to get over your fear. Um, you know, there have been other times in my life where I've suffered anxiety in a particular situation. Um, and anxiety is really just fear. Um, it's fear of what's going to happen or, you know, fear of not being competent in a situation. But there have been situations where I've prayed and God has literally given me a verse to cling on to in that in that season, maybe I was afraid about moving to a new place. And so God gave me a verse, you know, just to cling to, to give me reassurance that he was with me, or maybe I was afraid about the safety of my kids. Um, and so I, um, you know, God gave me some verses there to cling to about how he takes care of us and how he's ordained all the days of our lives and watches over us. And those certainly have been times where that has helped fear to evaporate. But in this case, in when, when, um, in talking about fear that really prevents us from doing his will and stepping out, he actually gave me a little bit different answer. He didn't give me a Bible verse to cling to or a three-step solution. I was actually going through my desk, looking for a calendar in a desk drawer. And I came across a sheet of notes that I had written, um, on some chapters of the purpose driven life, which is by Rick Warren. If you're not familiar with him, he's a pastor of Saddleback church, which I believe is in California. And he has, you know, he has a website, he has devotionals that he's written. Um, he's written books. He also, you can see his sermons that are recorded on YouTube and out there for you to see, but he has a lot of great materials But in reading his book, I had taken these notes. I had them in my desk drawer. I completely forgot that I'd even taken notes. I can't remember why I did it. But when I started reading over these notes, I realized that within these notes, some points were really standing out to me. I realized that the answer to my question was right there in front of me. And God was really answering me through the notes I'd written on this book. So I went back over them and I wanted to share with you some of the ideas from the notes so that you, you know, if you're in the place where fear is just gripping you, it's preventing you from doing God's will, it's hindering you, you know that you need to get past it in order to get to what God has for you. Here are some things that I believe are helpful from Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. The first idea we can really draw from, from his book is the idea that we have to understand what it means to rely on God and operate in his power. And What I mean by that is many of us think of 
when we think of relying on God, particularly in overcoming our fear or some other thing, we think of it as a passive endeavor, right? Where we do absolutely nothing and God does everything. And truly one of the interesting things that Rick Warren talks about in the purpose driven life is that reliance on God, which we're supposed to do in a Christian walk, right? We're supposed to trust God, rely on him. This isn't just a a passive. It's not a passive endeavor. It's a very active endeavor where we're actually um, partnering with God in our life and we're actually co-workers with him. It tells us that in scripture and that God actually works with us and that relying on him isn't just sitting there and not doing anything, but it's being receptive to his spirit and doing what he asks. I want to just tell you a few points that Rick Warren talks about in his book. He says, Christ likeness is not produced by imitation, but by inhabitation. We allow Christ to live through us. We do this through the choices we make. We choose to do the right thing and trust God's spirit to give us his power, love, faith, and wisdom. So in other words, what he's saying is that we don't simply become what we need to become by imitating by just trying to do the Christian life well, by trying to not be fearful or resolving to do better, that we overcome the areas in our life that we need to and become more like Christ by allowing Christ to work through us and work in us. And one of the things that Rick Warren talks about is that we do that by the choices that we make. So we choose to do the right thing. When when we feel the nudge of God's spirit, we're attempting to follow God. We're hearing from him. He nudges us. We go ahead and step out knowing that he's going to give us the power as we step out. Obedience is what unlocks God's power. God wants us to act first. We don't wait to feel powerful or confident. We move ahead in our weakness, doing the right thing in spite of our fears. And that's how we cooperate, how we partner with the Holy Spirit. And that when we step out is when we, we receive the power to do what we need and we trust that it's going to be there, but we may be extremely scared when we're, when we're stepping out. Another thing that Warren emphasizes, he says, effort has nothing to do with our salvation, but it has much to do with our spiritual growth. At least eight times in the new Testament, we are told to make every effort in our growth toward becoming like Jesus. What he means is that we don't have to work to earn our salvation. When we invited Jesus into our life, then we immediately became part of God's family. Um, we are saved. We're going to heaven. We have all of those benefits and blessings that come into our lives because we are now believers. We don't have to work for that. Jesus did that by dying on the cross. All we had to do was receive that by asking him in our life. Now, what it does mean to work out um, our salvation is, um, which we're going to talk about more in a minute, um, or to make every effort in our spiritual growth is to make every effort to grow more like Christ. And that doesn't mean just by imitating him, by following a long list of commands, but it's following after God, learning more about God, doing what he tells us to do. And then he does the work in us that makes us more like him. And so making every effort in our growth is simply following his lead, learning about him, following, you know, doing what he says. And when we do that is when we become more like him. 
I think all of us just need to take a minute and let those words sink in because for so many of us, we want to be in a place that we're not. And so we, or we feel frustrated with where we are. we feel frustrated by fear holding us back or some other thing. And so we just try harder. We resolve. We think, well, you know, I'm just going to will myself, but it's really just not about willpower at all. It's about stepping out when God calls, but really relying on him to be the power force behind what we're doing. Psalm 63, eight says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The King James 2000 Bible version says, my soul follows hard after you, your right hand upholds me. So when we follow in God's way, we won't necessarily feel an absence of fear. However, his power will meet us when we act in obedience. And some of us we're waiting. We're waiting to not feel fear before we act. We're waiting for our feelings to line up with what God would has have us to do. But it's in taking the steps ordained for us by God that we are met by his power. Another place in scripture where this concept of walking in trust in God's power is illustrated in John 6, 28 and 29. In this passage, a crowd asked Jesus what they should do to do the work of God. And Jesus responds by saying, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. If we look at the word believe in that passage, it is a from a Greek word pistuo, which means to believe or entrust. And according to helps word studies, this means not only to be persuaded of something, but means to be persuaded by the Lord. It is belief that leads to proceeds from God's inbirthing of faith. So Pistuo is a verb. Not only does it mean that we believe intellectually in our thoughts, we believe, but it means that that belief is that which translates into action. It is a giving up of oneself to God. This kind of entrusting leads to action in our lives as we follow him. I love how the encyclopedia of the Bible says, it says faith is that which responds to and is sustained by God's faithfulness. So we're sustained by God, but we definitely have a role in that. Our inner conviction is that which leads to action, which we know inside of the truth of God's word and what he says and what he's saying to us. And so that conviction leads us to action. And then it's after we take those steps that he begins to change us and you know, our obedience leads to blessings in our life, but also it leads to inner change in us when we simply step out and do what he says. The second thing that I want to bring out from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, is that spiritual transformation is a process. Sometimes when we're attempting to overcome an area such as fear in our life, if it's been an area that's been a stronghold, has been something that's held us back for a long time, it can feel really frustrating when we aren't consistent or when it keeps on holding us back and we're trying, we really want to overcome it. Or we may be victorious one day and then another day we just are having a bad day and all of a sudden we let fear grip us again and we're not consistent. But one of the things that Warren talks about in The Purpose Driven Life is that spiritual growth doesn't happen instantly. And us saying this, I mean, we could definitely use this as a cop-out and saying, well, I'm just, you know, God's just working on me and it's just not going to happen overnight. And we could be saying that and, and really just using that as an excuse not to work at whatever area God's wanting us to work at. 
that's really not what Rick Warren is saying. But what he is saying is that transformation doesn't happen overnight and spiritual maturity is a process that, that does take time. God gives us opportunities to learn and grow and become more like him. But we don't instantly transform from being, you know, fearful to bold in just one one day. Um, it does take time. God uses his people. One of the things Rick Warren talks about in his book is God uses his word, people, and circumstances to shape us. Our transformation away from fearfulness to courage, the kind Christ had, is not automatic. It will be gradual. And God will put us in particular situations so that we can practice Christ-likeness. So if we're having an issue with fear, God's going to put us in circumstances where we can practice breaking through this barrier to do his will. He's going to put us in situations where we have to face the thing that we're, we feel like is holding us back. We have to continually face it. And it's in continually making the right steps in those situations that we're going to be able to overcome our fear. We may literally be shaking as we type up the email to send, tell our testimony to someone, or step away from a safe comfort zone. You know, maybe a stable job, maybe a living situation, maybe a, a relationship that's wrong for us, but we know that we need to step away from it. However, as we encounter more and more situations like this, we will become less fearful and more like Christ. So this change is going to be worked out in each of our lives with the help of the Holy Spirit. God is always working in us to know and do his will. I want to just read to you Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill. And I want to read this first to you in the message because it's so good, but in the message, the same verse says this, what I'm getting at friends is that you should simply keep on doing what you're, you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in response of obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up better yet. Redouble your efforts, be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. So it's saying, you know, it can be kind of confusing. Like for instance, in the NIV, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We can look at that and say, well, wait a minute. God's already worked out our salvation for us. We have salvation because of Christ's work on the cross. And that is true. But really what it's saying there is to, in our life of salvation, in our walk with Christ, to continue to work out those things that he would want us to be working out, that we are continually following him and paying attention to what he's pointing out to us and really doing those things in our life that he's urging us towards knowing that the change in us is going to happen when we do what he's telling us to do. Going back to Rick Warren, he talks about spiritual growth and how we change. And quite interestingly, he talks about how, you know, we can make the effort to grow spiritually. Again, God does the work in us, but here's what we can do. He says there are two parts to spiritual growth, work out and work in. Work out is our responsibility. We don't have to work for our salvation because we can't add anything to Jesus's work. We've covered that. 
but we work out to develop the body, not get the body. So we make every effort to grow spiritually. So when God points us to do whatever it is, that that's the working out of our salvation. And sometimes God will often lead us just to steps that are very odd and confusing. We may think, you know what, Lord, this doesn't really make any sense, but it's when we follow those steps that all of a sudden this, the change happens and it's very gradual. We may not even recognize it at first, but then all of a sudden we stand back and say, okay, you're working in me, Lord. And I didn't even realize it. Work in is God's role. As we make efforts to grow spiritually, God makes us more like his son. I want to just give you an example of kind of this collaborative effort of growing that from my own life. So a few years ago when God was working on me in an area that still sometimes is a struggle for me, but before I started the blog or really knew what calling I had in my life to speak to women about identity and self-worth, I didn't even know that I you know, um, was basing my identity on the wrong things that I knew that I didn't have a very high opinion of myself deep down inside, but I hid it from other people because I didn't really want anybody to know. And I never really took the time to really analyze why that was. And, um, I didn't really realize or recognize in my own life, how I was compensating for having a very low self-worth by attempting to prove to everyone around me that I had value. And one of the ways that I attempted to prop up my sense of worth was really getting attention from people around me. If I felt like I could get a compliment or someone noticed me, I felt really good about myself. In particular, even though I was a married woman, I, I you know, discovered as a young woman that it felt really good to get a lot of male attention that I felt good about myself when I was getting a lot of compliments and that part of, you know, what I was propping my identity was on was just the attention I would get from males. And so, you know, I, I developed, I was a little, you know, even though I was married, um, at a young age, even as a married woman, I would be very flirtatious and I would kind of justify it to myself saying, well, you know, I'm not having like a physical affair. I'm not going over to some guy's house or something. I'm just, it's just a flirtatious conversation, but I knew deep down it wasn't right. And I was just like that with everyone. Um, as a teacher, um, high school teacher, I got a lot of attention as a young teacher, a lot of, you know, males in my classes and so forth would just, you know, would stop, stop by the classroom um, just to say hi, would, you know, give compliments during class. And I really didn't realize that I was encouraging this behavior. Um, and there was no inappropriate relationship or one-on-one, you know, um, time with any students. So, uh, you know, but I definitely as a, as a teacher even was really thriving on that attention from, the, the males that I, you know, were even in my classes that I had this like adoration from my students that really made me feel good. But after I left teaching, I know that God very much told me that I hadn't acted like a Christian woman. So there was this whole phase that I went through 
that I didn't understand what God was doing, but I began to sense that I needed to make some phone calls um, to some people, that I needed to have some conversations. I wrote an apology letter to my classes and I told them that I had always been a Christian. I, I was a public school teacher, so there was no one that was forcing me to do this or no one that thought I was out of line in any way, but I knew I needed to do it. God nudged me to do it where I apologized and just said, I wasn't a Christian example. I was, you know, flirtatious. I was very much thriving on attention. And I even went to some, some wives of some friends, um, you know, that I had that I just told them, look, I, I've, I've had this very flirtatious demeanor around your husband. I know it was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, it was very awkward. And I'm not saying everybody would have to go down that path, but through that process of apologizing, um, that, I began to change that, um, it was God who nudged me to make all those contacts. And he revealed to me again, that I had a low self-worth, that I was a real people pleaser, that, um, I needed to put my worth in him. And it was through that process of really stepping away from that old pattern. You know, we all have these, these ways of fleshly patterns of coping with life because it is hard. And because a lot of the wrong things we do is not because we want to be wrong, but because um, we don't know how to do life. We don't know how to do it any different. We're we're coping for, you know, the low self-worth I had, were, that developed from wounds from my childhood of mistreatment um, and bullying and rejection from peers and, and from other places. Um and that was never healed. And so there was a compensation for that. That's where that developed. But it was, I compensated in the wrong way. And I think many of us do it without realizing. And that God really took me by the hand and helped me to correct those patterns and change. And it was a very difficult, painful process. I did not want to apologize to this, to anyone um, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to put myself out there like that. I didn't know what people would think. Um, and it was very awkward and it was very time consuming. It took, it was about a two year, I want to say two year process of contacting, uh, former classes, some people in my realm. Like it was a whole, uh, my husband calls it apology tour, honestly. And a lot of people told me, you know, not to do it and didn't really understand, but I knew that God wanted me to. And what came out of that whole experience was me changing and becoming able to be okay with myself without the compliments, without trying to get the attention, without dressing to get a look or to get a compliment. And, and I also had to apologize to my husband and tell him that I was receiving attention in ways that were not good. And so it was a whole process. So, you know, you may have an area that's totally different than mine that God's working on, such as fear. But overcoming that is a collaborative effort with God. It doesn't happen right away. He may not have you go and make a bunch of phone calls, but he may have you, you know, he may be nudging you in different ways. And you may be saying, Lord, I don't understand this, but it's just, you know, it's stepping out that all of a sudden that change that we need takes place. When we simply trust and say, okay, God, I know that I have an issue here. I, I want to change. I'm going to trust you that you're going to change me and I'm going to step out and do what you're asking me to do. And he's going to give us those opportunities on making gains against whatever's holding us back. So in conclusion, then fear is, 
is often that which will prevent us from doing what we know to do in the moment of following God. However, we are not left alone in our fear. God promises in his word when we step out in obedience into what feels like thin air. We will feel a solid rock under our feet. He will uphold those who put their trust in him and follow him where it feels hard, it feels scary, and we don't know what to do. The more we adopt this philosophy of believing that God will meet us in our weakness and stepping out even when our strength is small, the more victory we will have in breaking past the obstacles that prevent us from being obedient and following him. And this isn't a willpower thing kind of thing. This is an I can do all things through Christ kind of thing, which it talks about in Philippians 4, 13. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I just pray that for the people listening, that you would just be speaking to them if they feel guilt because they are not following you the way that they want to or they know they should, that, Lord, you would just um, wash over them with your mercy and your love. That, Lord, if they need to repent right now of ways that they failed, of ways that they let fear creep in and prevent them from doing what they should, Lord, that, Lord, they would just feel confident that they can approach you. They can repent for whatever ways that they have been wrong. Um, And that knowing that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that Lord, you're not condemning them. You have mercy on them. And Lord, you're inviting them to learn from you, to keep walking with you and to, to, to take the opportunity next time to do better. And maybe they even need to go back to a situation, but Lord, you're not condemning them. You're simply holding them by the hand and leading them and saying, it's okay. I forgive you. You can try again. We're going to get this. And Lord, help us if we're struggling with fear or whatever area to just trust in those times when fear grips us to trust you enough to step out knowing that you are going to meet us in the moment when we simply step out and do what you say. When we take you at your word and believe that you can transform us when we do exactly what it is you say that we need to do. In Jesus' name, amen.